All right, welcome everyone to the first episode, the world premiere of the Popcorn Diet Podcast. This is a podcast for those of you who very much like us live on a steady diet of popcorn and other various movie snacks like snow caps or red vines. Uh, my name is Rick Williamson, one of your hosts at Popcorn Diet. I'm also your most very best movie friend. And with me is my co-host, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing? Doing well. Excellent. You excited about this? Very excited. Been, Good. Uh, dreaming about it all day. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt that, but but I, I respect that. I appreciate that. Um, so... The first thing, the first thing I want to get out of the way is just basically, who the hell do we think that we are that we can get out here and we're just going to make a movie podcast as if there isn't a thousand of them, right? And so really, we are just two guys. I, I you know me, I love movies uh, and true. you love movies and we talk about movies so much that it's like, why not, why not record it? <laughs> why not force people that we don't know to listen to us? Perfect. In addition to all the people around us that we do know that are forced to listen to us talk about movies 24-7. It seemed like a great idea. I think so. I'm excited about it. I think a lot of people, um, it's really fun to talk about movies, not only in general, but with you in particularly. And I really just like it talking about movies. It's... You know I like talking. You do like talking. <laughs> he does like, like the like sound movies. of his own voice, so you have me here to break that up. I appreciate that. Um, um, but the other reason that I really wanted to do a podcast with you um, was that we, our movies, the movies that we like, are very, they run the spectrum. They do. <laughs> they, are, um, they are admittedly shitty movies that we love. There are great movies that we hate, and vice versa. Um, and one of the biggest things for me was um, why I wanted to do a podcast was because I think everybody nowadays gets really up their own ass about movies. I think that, I mean, a, a ton, I, we read a ton of movie sites. We mm -hmm. go to a ton of, I know you do, I do. And the thing I see the most with the community on those sites with, like, the chat rooms, and we all know chat rooms are the worst place anywhere, cyberspace or reality. Um, but when you go to the chat rooms, it just feels really um, ostracizing lately. Like, if you don't agree with what we believe on this website, then we're going to treat you like shit. Um, and that bums me out. It is. It, I mean, you, you look at the, the people that we have to listen to, and it's like... You, if you like a popcorn movie that's got the same plot that we've seen, like suddenly something's bad. Like I think of uh, Avatar. Like people criticized it because it was Pocahontas storyline. Right. Like that's a pretty standard storyline. Like why is it bad thing to reuse a similar storyline to to show freaking amazing technology on top of you know a really cool story, even if it's like roots are founded in something we've heard. They've been making movies for over a hundred years now. I, th I think we're gonna hit some of the same points that we've hit before. Like <laughs> we've every, told all the stories. Every romantic comedy is the same storyline over and over again. Right. So why can't uh, why can they reuse it? But if you're gonna tell an action movie, it's got to be some kind of unique thing. Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the hero's journey. We've been telling stories for 
uh, humanity's been telling stories for years. And, yeah, like, I get it. Like, if a movie's bad or if it's boring or if the acting's terrible, like, that's fine. Like, we can recognize that. Like, and, and, and I think that doesn't ruin a movie, though. That doesn't make it completely unsavable. And, and, and also, that's a completely different subject than what most of these websites and podcasts are talking about. And, like, most of these websites and podcasts, like, let's say, for example, the recent Pirates of the Caribbean movie, uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales, that movie got, got torn to shreds, um, not only by critics, but most of the movie-going, you know, public, um, most of the websites that we read just just tore it apart. And one of the biggest reasons was because, you know, it's a studio-made picture. Like, this feels like it's cranked out by the studio. Like, uh, why? Like, why is that bad? Not every movie gets to be uh, boyhood, yeah. you know? Like, not every movie thank gets God. to be... Thank God. Not every movie gets to be th- an independent darling because there are places for independent darlings. Absolutely. And that... Well, that's we don't need to open that can of worms, but we don't need to talk about why only the independent darlings are the ones that need to get Oscars that's these days. That's a whole so. new place. We got a lot of content to talk about. We do. We're going to save that for another podcast. But th- that doesn't invalidate um, a fairly well-made, gigantic action movie that costs $200 million. Um, and so, you know, we are here to just talk about movies. Um, pretty much, in my opinion, every movie is the best movie ever, unless it's the worst. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll probably come on here and you'll probably, you, I know you, you'll hear me all the time. That's, oh, the movie's great. I love it. I'm in. Um, it's be my catchphrase. (laughs) I, I am in on it and, uh, I pretty much just love everything. Yeah. Well, I think both of us, one of the things that we bond over is the fact that we just love the movie going experience in general. Um, going, the idea of, of watching every trailer that comes out, getting excited for, for what we think is going to happen. Now, we will more than once probably debate over the, uh, the topic of the fact that you spoil the movie for yourself before you see it. It's fine. But we both enjoy going, getting in that line, grabbing a bag of popcorn and a ginormous drink and sitting down for two plus hours in a growingly more comfortable chair and just escaping from all the crap in the world and and just being entertained and even if it is disappointing from what your expectations were the whole experience of it is still something that we both enjoy so even if we think a movie didn't live up to our expectations it's not that we are disappointed we went and saw the movie we're never going to walk out and say well that was a waste of two hours I wouldn't say never. Well, <laughs> I'd like to think that most of those movies we end up seeing on video it's and true. not uh, it's in the true. theaters. I think that's a good point. I think there's, it's really only been one movie, I think, in my entire life where I walked out and I was just like, I'm never going to get that time back. Um, but that's sort of what to expect from this podcast. I mean, you and I uh, love going to see movies. We love movies old. We love them new. We love them... Bad, we love them good, short, long, expensive, cheap, whatever. Um, and I think one of the big things that we like to do is we like to talk about the uh, the inner workings of Hollywood. Not so much like how much this movie's going to cost or whatever, but when people get hired, when people get fired, when there's a new trailer out, 
Um, when there's a new project that's announced, I mean, we read enough movie websites that I'm pretty sure that we are more educated about a movie before it comes out than the general public, than probably most of our listeners. I know a lot of people that I know who, who hopefully are listening to this right now who are surprised when I tell them, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so is going to be in this movie. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, like you said, I mean, if, if you and I can get entertained from Anaconda 2, the, the Blood Orchard Hell or yeah. whatever what it was called, seeing Jimmy Buffett... Going down a, a boat. Yeah, uh, I think save the day. I think we can. Uh, I think we can get entertained by anything. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you and I are watching for every single trailer. We're we're we probably go to IMDb more than anybody I know just to see like, you know, just today I I was like I wonder what Ben Foster's up to. So I look up Ben Foster and IMDb and see both the true and untrue projects that he's attached to and, and see what's coming up. So That's the one negative about IMDB is it's, it's like everything. Yeah. Good or bad. But yeah, so so I'm excited to talk about movie news with you. I'm excited to talk about some of the things that people might not know about with you. I'm really excited to recommend movies that people might not have heard of and talk about movies that people not might not have heard of, whether they be old or whether they be brand new. But most importantly, it's just talking about the new releases, you know, and, and the thing is, is like, you know, we're in the midst of summer. It's almost every weekend we're getting, bop, 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 bop. we're getting new stuff, uh, every week. And that's great. But when we get into the, the doldrums of like September or when we're in February and granted movies have gotten way better at releasing quality year stuff. Round. Hollywood has gotten way better at releasing year round movies to see, but you know, it's not always going to be new movies with us. Maybe we want to take. Uh, maybe we want to talk about the Ocean's Eleven trilogy. Um, maybe we want to talk. Don't get about, me started. I know exactly. We could do it right now. Uh, <laughs> Let's maybe go. we want to talk about Jurassic Park or or pull pull movies out of the uh, out of the catalog. You know, we're going to do that, and that's really exciting. And then it's the special projects that I'm particularly excited about. The things like the the Pyramid of Greatness. Which started this whole conversation. It's true. Which we're we're only gonna we're only teasing it right now. I'm not even gonna even get into what it's about, but it's a big project that I I've, I've never seen done before. You you've never seen done I've not never in seen our it. capacity. We we did uh, we did take some of the uh, the the idea itself from from another entertainment industry. We did. Um, but it's never been done with movies, and and I don't even know if the the sports version of of this pyramid of greatness went into the level of detail that we're going into on this. No. So um, um, it's going to be pretty spectacular. It's super exciting to to have that be a part of this. Um, and then, like I said before, one of my one of the things I am most excited about to do with you is our um, Oscar recaps, which we don't have an official name for them yet. We're calling them the Context Oscars for right now. But basically, w- one of my favorite things is to go back five, ten years and be like, who, who won Best Picture? Did they deserve that? They really deserve Best Picture? What movies came out? And one of my favorite pastimes is, is bringing up past Oscar <laughs> Failures or tragi- tragedies, and letting myself wind you up oh, and yeah. just see you go. Oh, a la it'll happen. Crash. 
Crash, crash, not so much. But you want to, you want to really, you you want to drive this thing off a fucking cliff right away. Go ahead and bring up Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Moonlight. If we want to go a little bit more recently, and and we'll go. We'll just this podcast will end before it starts. <laughs> um, but being able to dive into the Oscars is really interesting for me, and I understand we we couldn't be further away from talking about the Oscars, but being able to talk about films um, in a subjective matter when the Oscars are all trying to get us to look at them as ranked things um, is super interesting to me. And that's um, that's really what we're going to be doing on this podcast. So I don't know about you, but I'm jazzed for it. I'm excited. Nice. Um, I think that leads us into, into your portion. Yeah, so I think we want, being our first podcast here, I, I think we wanted to be able to share with our listeners and hopefully... It'll be a growing group of people that listen and not just Rick and I uh, recapping what we talked Even about. Even if it is, I don't give a shit. Like, you know what? We do it anyway. Yeah, so. we'll do it anyways. We might as well just do it with microphones in that's front right, of That's right. That's right. I feel really cool with headphones and a <laughs> microphone and, and a small room with lots of padding around it. Yeah, so, legit. Um, but we want people to get to know sort of where we come from and, and some of sort of our history. Um, so first thing that we're going to kind of talk about, and, and I'll, I'll kick us off, but um, kind of talking about our first memories. Um, yes. Rick and I love movies, so you and I both have been passionate about this. I mean, Rick and I have known each other since sixth grade, seventh grade? Seventh grade. Seventh yeah, you grade. And I, you and I... Went to Grace Commu- Grace Community for junior high, Arizona. All and right. now we're thirty one. Yeah, we're we don't know bring that that up, <laughs> but uh, we've been talking about movies ever since then. Rick was scribbling in in, in your notebook, uh, Command and Conquer script. Yep. Um, so we don't sue me. We, I never wrote it. We uh, <laughs> we we've been talking about movies ever since uh, we were we were kids, um, and now that we're moving out of being able to call ourselves kids. We still act like kids. Yeah. Um, we wanted to kind of rehash sort of uh, what our, our memories are of movies and what really what got our passion going for movies. So um, for me, my first movie theater memory, um, so actually seeing a movie in the theaters, uh, it's really hard for me to pinpoint as I was thinking this. Like I, I remember... Um, seeing lots of movies. So, like, I remember, like, Home Alone, Jurassic Park, Beauty and the Beast, basically those early 90s movies. Classics. Yes, absolutely. Um, But my actual, like, first distinct theater memory, because I had to look up and see, like, when these fell in timeline, um, was actually not a movie I went and even saw. Um, (laughs) So I was at some theater that's closed now um, and waiting for the movie, because back then... You know, you showed up way early for you, a movie. There was no, there was no reserved seats. You waited in line, and everybody went to movies. And there wasn't, well, there wasn't these like thirty theater movie theaters. Right. Like the biggest ones were like what twelve theaters, 12, 11. 11. Yeah. So the demand for seats was a whole lot higher because uh-huh. this, well, it was about the same, but the supply for theaters was was less. Um, so I think it was like Free Willy Two or Pocahontas. <laughs> I actually, you know, you know what? I think it was Operation Dumbo Drop. Okay. <laughs> Waiting to go see that classic, you know, um, and in the theater next was Waterworld. Yes. So Water okay. Waterworld was going on, and I remember sneaking into that theater. 
because it was still like 40 minutes before my movie and they weren't letting people in yet. And I sat in there in the hallway going into the theater mm -hmm. for like 10 minutes watching. And all I remember is not knowing what the heck was going on. <laughs> I was like, there's just water everywhere and Kevin Costner's running around and just, Boats. I had no clue what this movie was even about. It looked cool. Jet but skis. That's my first memory though, is I remember thinking that's about That's amazing. <laughs> what year did Waterworld come out? 95. 95. All right. All right. Actually, no. I think it was earlier than that. I think 95 sounds about right. It's around there. Um, 93, that's, maybe. That's uh, amazing. Um, because Waterworld is one of those uh, terrible movies that is also a great movie. 95. It was 95. 95. Um, I'm going to go a little earlier. Mine was way early. I've told this story to so many people. I actually have two. And I'm going to start off with the earlier one first because I do remember this as a very distinct memory, but it's not my favorite story. Um, but my first distinct movie theater memory was Batman Returns in 1992, which I was five or six. And if you remember Batman Returns for a PG-13 <laughs> movie, that movie's fucked up. Like, that movie's dark. It is dark. And violent and gothic. Um, and my, God bless my dad and my parents, because they'd take me to these movies. Um, but I remember uh, being, I don't remember exactly what part of the movie it was, but it was the Penguin, Danny DeVito mm -hmm. playing the Penguin, Batman, Michael Keaton, Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer, and I was watching the movie, and I remember, and I will never forget this memory, this idea that I had, and the idea was basically this. How cool would it be if costume actors dressed like Batman and the Penguin came down the aisle of the movie theater, and this was before stadium seating, so there was no stairs. It was just a ramp. Ramp, yeah. Right? And how cool would it be if they just, like, fought, like, basically if a stunt show broke out. Basically, if it turned from movie to live action? Yeah. Basically if Terminator 2 uh, 3D at Universal Studios happened. So I was an innovator there. You wanted, like, a Honey, Now You Shrunk the Audience exactly. uh, experience? That was, that was my first, that's my first, like, lucid thought. And it's like five or six. That might be my first thought in general that I can remember. But my favorite um, story about going to see uh, a movie for the first time was Jurassic Park. Jurassic mm -hmm. Park is what has basically fueled me um, as a film, even though it's not my favorite film, and it's up there, but it's not my absolute favorite. But going to see Jurassic Park, and again, this was 93, so I was six. Sure, my I remember dad, that. My dad took me to see it. We're sitting in the theater. My favorite dinosaur, because Jurassic Park was just marketing bonanza. Books and action figures and commercials and all that. And my favorite dinosaur, the one that I was most intrigued with, was the Dilophosaurus. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because it had the most shit going on. It's neck and it's head and it's spit. And it's you know, all this stuff. Um, but that whole scene with Newman from Seinfeld getting stalked <laughs> by the Dilophosaurus um, was my favorite. And I will never forget um, the, the, the dinosaurs stalking him. He's, he's freaking falling through the water and whatever. And he turns around and the dinosaur's right there. And right as he's about to do his thing, right? It's about the next, about to pop out. My dad covered my eyes. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, we don't want you to be scared, right? And I remember being so pissed, like slapping his hand away. Like, this is like the thing that I waited for. I waited for this, and I didn't get to see it. And so I've seen that movie so many times, it which, doesn't matter. Which of all the kills in that, in that movie, that's probably one of the more minor ones. It's like, minor. There's not like blood dripping down the water. No. Or, I guess that's what, is that two? 
Uh, with the, the two has the blood, but this one's really good because it has them, because he shows up in the truck at the end, right? Oh, yeah, he pops yeah, up yeah. in the truck, and then there's that like silhouette like from outside yep, the truck yep, where you yep. see the dinosaur oh, yeah. attacking him. But no, there wasn't no blood dripping or no, anything that one, like that. That movie was pretty tame from, considering you have dinosaurs eating people. Right. It was pretty tame from what you saw on screen. Like, right. Like the... The scariness of it was more like in the buildup. Was and, in the buildup exactly. Yeah. It's like stalking this little fat so guy. So covering the up rain. the the actual kill, really wasn't that scary. No, no, <laughs> um, but uh, that's easily my first movie theater memory. Now, like I said though, Jurassic Park, one of my favorite movies of all time, not my favorite. Um, so, what are your favorite movies? Well, this is where I think you and I are 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 so unique. I mean, most people throwing out favorite movies. I feel like you go one of one of two ways normally with movies. Mm-hmm. You can go like there's a difference between the best movies I've ever seen and the favorite movies. I think those are two different discussions. Like, Absolutely. We talk about this all the time. Like there's plenty of movies I'll I'll see and I'll be like that's one of the greatest movies ever. Ever made. But I don't really need to go see it again. <laughs> like or at least I don't need to go see it for a really long time. I don't know anybody who has, like, Citizen Kane on repeat. Yeah, exactly. Or, right. well, I know of one person that <laughs> that likes to watch Shawshank Redemption every single week. I mean, it's it's 90% just bludgeoning misery. Yeah. And 10%, like, wonderful freedom and hope. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, that's not a movie you could just pop on. No, I, I've, I think I've seen it two, maybe three times in my life. <laughs> and Melanie Figler watches it every... Three minutes or every three days. Every three days she's got it on. So, but for me, you know, I, I've got a couple franchises on there. So, you know, f- for me, there's there's the nostalgic, the one that goes back to my childhood, and and that's Home Alone 1 and 2, you know. Okay. I There was no Home Alones after that. I refuse to accept <laughs> that. Um, False gods. Those are, yeah, they're, they're irrelevant to me. Um, but yeah, you know, every Christmas, it's not Christmas without Home Alone 1 and 2 for some reason. I think it's AMC plays Home Alone like year round, like every couple days. Um, but there's just something, you know, you talk about, you know, your first memories in the theater and, and, and with, with Batman and thinking it'd be cool if they came down. Well, I always felt like, you know, my parents would leave. I feel like my parents left me at home <laughs> early, earlier in life than most families. And, and maybe it was just because I was a little bit more mature kid. Okay. But, like, I, I remember having thoughts about, like, you know, if someone came, like, rigging up my house with booby traps and things like that. And so, like, to see this on display, like, it was just, like, my dream. Like, I wanted to be Kevin McAllister and have robbers trying to get into my house and be able to do all that. So... That's one of them, and you know I feel like the comedy in that in there is still funny to me. It's probably you know more nostalgia than actual quality comedy, but um, there's some good comedy in there. There like, is Pesci and Daniel Stern, like there's some good, especially between them. Especially you know good physical comedy too. Like oh there's not God. a ton of physical comedy anymore. I feel like. Well, I mean, you can't like they would be dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, but they can't push those limits anymore. That's true. Like, if that movie got released now, you'd have the parents' union talking about how violent it was or whatever. Yeah, that's true. And kids would actually do kids those things. Do it. Back then, kids, for some reason, we we didn't do it or we, we at least morons. did it in the safety of our backyards or something. Right. But uh, for me, the other ones, uh, Lord of the Rings movies, 
I actually read the books and, and to see it on that grandness was, those were my favorite. Um, those were just awesome. Um, and then the other franchise that's on my list is, is Oceans. Oceans, by far, I can rewatch those movies anytime. And that, to me, makes a favorite movie. Not only are they good movies, like, no one's, very few people I know would bash the movies themselves and say they were terrible sure. movies. But they're also just so rewatchable. Like, I, if it's on TV, I can pick up anywhere in there. Anywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere in any three movies. And, and even if I'm only watching it for ten minutes, like, I will enjoy those ten minutes. Right. It's better than flipping over and watching, like, you know, ten minutes of Chopped or <laughs> reruns of Sports Center or something like that. I will gladly watch ten, fifteen minutes of any of the Ocean movies. Those might be one of, like, the most um, easily, t- easy to watch, like, at any point. Oh yeah. Like there's because there's some of those movies there are there are infinite number of movies where you're flicking through the channels and it's on and you can just start watching it like yeah. pretty much any action movie, you know. And but Oceans is almost the same. But I also feel like there's no real lulls in the Oceans movies. No. Like for me, when there's movies on TV, there's always some point. Even in even like if we go back to the Home Alone movies that I love, like. You get me to that point with Bird Lady in Home Alone 2, and I'm probably switching the channel. Right. And maybe coming back in 10 minutes when he's terrorizing <laughs> Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. But there's usually lulls. Like, I don't know what it is about movies, especially from, like, the 90s, I feel like. There was always that section where it's, like, you know, we're committed to the character development, mm-hmm. even though we recognize this is a, you know, kids' comedy, like... You know, like back then, those the family film, we got to have the message, right. which movies, I feel like, disregard a little bit now. But, um, but yeah, Ocean's movies, there's there's no lull. Like, every part of the scenes, like, I may have favorite scenes, but any anywhere in there, like, and, and actors, I mean, forget about it. You got, <laughs> you got George cool, Clooney, you got Brad Pitt, cool. you got Matt Damon. Like, I just would like to hang out with that group of people. <laughs> Whether it's the Ocean's version of those people or whether it's probably the real life of those people, I figure it's probably pretty similar. Probably pretty similar, absolutely. And I remember when it came out, just thinking, especially Ocean's Eleven, just thinking to myself, like, like they obviously took pay cuts to do this movie because you look at the budget of the film and it's like none of them are making a ton of money. So, like, (laughs) I feel like that comes out in the film, though, that, like, they probably all genuinely enjoyed making that film together. Well, yeah, you look at someone like the director, Steven Soderbergh, who was coming off like, like, Soderbergh's always been like, you know, a quote-unquote serious filmmaker. Sure. Where he did Artistic stuff. He did Traffic. Like, those movies are heavy. Um, and then he comes in and he's basically like, I just want to make these fun movies with all of these people who's in. And everybody was in. Yeah. And they, you, you're 100% correct. It comes, like, they are having every single one of those movies they are having so much fun. Like the second one, which a lot of people consider to be the lesser of the three, but the second one is the same thing. We're just going to go have fun in, in France. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and the fact that their backdrop is Vegas, which probably probably those movies contributed to my my desire of going to, to Vegas and gambling in general. But... Um, <laughs> those the, the backdrop couldn't be any more fun, and I'm sure that was part of their rationale. Like... If someone would have tried to sell them on the idea of doing Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven in, like, Iowa, like, right. they're probably not going to be as jazzed because, okay, let's spend, you know, 
three months filming in Vegas, darn, yeah, like. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, so sad. So, and then, uh, but the non-franchise favorite movies of all time, I only threw a couple on here. I have uh, The Departed, my, Ooh. another one that's just, I don't know that you can beat that cast, the people that are in there. I mean, you got all-time greats Ever. later in their career, like Jack. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, the Mark Wahlbergs, the the Matt Damon again, all those people all the that are there. All small guys. Yeah, and it's... Your Ray, your Ray Winstones, your Alec Baldwin, your Martin Sheens, who are just popping in and out, your James Bashdale. One, one of the best directors of all time, you know, doing a, a genre that obviously he's amazing at. Um, the story's so deep and, and rich and the twists and that, like... Oh, that's another movie that I'll regularly pause on as as it's on, and something I can, despite all the the darkness of that movie, <laughs> I can rewatch that movie For over sure. and over again, For just sure. because the 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 lines and the banter in it. I mean, you and I quote it all the time with each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's just well well written, well acted, well Alan directed. Alec Baldwin, you know, like. Just some awesome Patriot Act. Patriot Act, Patriot Act. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's an all-timer. Last one for me, Dark Knight. Okay. So, which, which was uh, obviously is a franchise. I don't put all of those movies as good as the third one is, and and I actually think the first one gets beat up on, and but is actually good. You gotta remember, it's an origin story. It's movie. really good. Yeah. Um, it ain't you know. Dark Knight though. No, and I think that's. That's what hurts movies one and three. <laughs> right. Batman Begins and, and Rises is that Dark Knight was not only with the Heath Ledger background and, and him dying, obviously, shortly after that wrapped up. Um, not only that, you know, obviously bringing even more attention to it, but that's like an all-time acting performance that's an all, well, that's an on top of movie. an all-time movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, that movie's gonna stand the test of time for a really long time. And it's and it's probably hard for a lot of people, like the critics that we are grumbling about, and one of the yeah. reasons we're doing this podcast, it's probably hard for them, a lot of them, to admit that you're gonna have a Batman movie be one of the all-time great movies right. of all time. Right. But I mean, I don't think there's any denying it between the performances, no. especially obviously Heath Ledger's, but the movie itself and you know, obviously, Christ Christopher Nolan's going to be making. Well, that, th yeah, that will be locked in, like, Christopher Nolan as, like, the guy. Like, yeah. one of the, there are a handful of directors whose, like, next project I'm definitely seeing, and he's one of them. He's one of the ones that I regularly look up, like. What's he doing? What's he doing next? Because yeah. he does, he's not one that's cranking out two movies every year. Right. You know, he's. he's one every three He's, years. like, one every three years, which we Obviously, have one this year that we're going to get to talk about. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are those are mine. Little little over the place. I mean, I I've I've got tons of movies. We both love movies, and there's plenty that I left we off that list. Off. Things like, you know, I didn't even go into the war movies. Like I love, you know, Mel Gibson early early two thousands late nineties. You know, Braveheart. That's like peak. Patriot. War movie Mel Gibson. Is war like, movie Mel Gibson is tough to beat. He's um, literally fought in every war. He has. He's, like, he he is a, a veteran. He didn't do a World War Two one, did he? He's even he's even fought in in uh, in fake wars. In, Mad Max. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, uh, that's a good list. That's a hell of a list. 
Um, mine, I'm going to keep mine short and sweet here. Basically, uh, the majority of my list is Steven Spielberg movies. You know this. Yes. Steven Spielberg is my all-time favorite director. He can do no wrong. Even when he makes not that great of a movie, it's still a great movie. Like, Steven Spielberg's worst, most directors wish they could replicate. It's true. Um, so I'm going to, I mean, I'm talking Jurassic Park, obviously, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jaws. Like, those movies, to me, are perfect, like, perfect movies. And that's coming from somebody who's become more discerning about, like, editing choices and, and character choices and directing choices and pacing and stuff. Like, you know, you've called me, you've said <laughs> I'm, I'm getting more and more pretentious. Those movies are perfect, um, in my opinion. Um, but my two favorite movies of all time um, are movies that came out uh, the year of Titanic, which was, I believe, 1997, mm-hmm. 96-97. Mm-hmm. Um, and Titanic won 11 Oscars. It was the big-ass ship that was coming in, and it made all the money in the world, and it won all the awards in the world. But, little-known fact, it was not nominated for a screenplay Oscar because it's a fairly simple story. It's a love story on the Titanic. It's a disaster movie. You know, but the two movies that won best screenplay and best adapted screenplay are my two favorite movies: L.A. Confidential mm-hmm. and Goodwill Hunting. Those movies we we were just talking about, the writing, the directing, the acting, all coming together to make something perfect. Those two movies are also, in my opinion, as close to perfect as you could be. L.A. Confidential is amazing because. Of the cast that it had at the time, it had young Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, Kevin Spacey, Danny DeVito, James Cromwell, Kim Basinger. Like that cast is a murderer's row. It's a fifties, oh, a fifties detective noir. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm in. I'm a thousand percent in on all of that. It's so well acted, and as you said before, the twists, the turns, seeing the character motivations, and seeing the characters go from step. You know, point A to point B to point C mm-hmm. is such a fulfill. It's such a fulfilling movie um, that it is my all time favorite movie. And Goodwill Hunting is is the same thing. Goodwill Hunting is obviously a much quieter movie. There's no guns. There's no explosions. There's no crime per se. Actually, it's mm-hmm. not true. It's a little bit of crime. A little bit of crime. Um, but it's the same thing. It is a movie that is the epitome of a point in history, a point in, in the world at a, at a point in history. It is the perfect, like, encapsulation. I don't even know if that's a freaking word, but it's the perfect version of, like, mid to late 90s Boston and seeing all of these guys who are all Boston guys who are friends and the story of this of this genius kid, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Robin, Robin Williams... That entire movie is just so fascinating to watch. And it's another one of those movies where I can go in at any point in time. And I both of those, all of those movies, every single one of them, I can go in at any point in time and I can watch them. Um, those, so, L.A. Confidential and Goodwill Hunting, like, if you haven't watched that, that before anything else, go well, watch those movies. I think and the sad part is Goodwill Hunting, not as much, because it gave Affleck and Damon kind of a big push obviously yeah. made them pretty relevant them obviously winners. obviously gave them a lot of street cred yeah. Um, yeah but that was kind of like fostering their career and so i feel like that one's known goodwill hunting's known a little bit more because people will trace back it's popular amongst like it was popular amongst like 
college film students. Yeah, do. exactly. Whereas LA Confidential, like it's crazy to me how many people I talk to, one haven't seen it, and then two, how many people haven't even heard of it. Yeah, and like, and granted, like you, the stars in there, like it was. Kind of early for some of them. Oh yeah, um, I didn't know who Russell Crowe was. Yeah, Russell Crowe. It was early for Crowe, right. and 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 even some of the others like the Kim Basingers and right. and and Pierce well, and stuff like that. Like, it was a. They're not like the massive people. They're not Damon no. and Affleck now, but at the same time, like they're all really well regarded actors. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, it was just Titanic's year and just. Everything else was forgotten about. I'm not mad about it, though. No. I'm not mad about it because they both won the screenplay Oscar. Sure. And to me, that was the one thing that, like, was the most important. Like, yeah, Titanic beat them everywhere else. But you know where they beat Titanic? There. Yeah. In, in the, in, in the, that's the space where they were great. Yeah. Uh, so I dig that. I dig that about those. I like that. And I don't, I didn't do that on purpose either. Like, those aren't my two favorite movies for that reason. They were just my two favorite movies and they happen to share that, that that really interesting bond, if yep. you will. Um, but let's talk about really quickly here before uh, before we talk about uh, uh, Wonder Woman. Um, let's talk about the summer. Now, the definition of summer, really quickly, is um, the first for Friday. The fir- well, movies for movies um, is the first Friday in May through Labor Day. Now, summer's movies have been getting started earlier and earlier and earlier. And been going later and later. And they've been going later and later and later. But let's focus on, I know it's June, but let's focus on the summer movies that we're excited for. So we'll have you, let's have you start off. Let's give you, you give me your list um, and uh, and then I'll give you my list. All right, for me, and I'll run through these quickly. Uh, We both had... Or I have uh, Wonder Woman was my my top. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're cheating a little bit. It came out this last last weekend, um, but that was for me. Um, ever since I got that first trailer, is as, as as much as I anticipated. You know, Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad. They did leave even as much as I love movies. They did leave some to be desired. Yeah. yeah. And so seeing that trailer for Wonder Woman, and and we've talked about this before, I was like. So pumped for it! I, I, we talked about it. I was, I was more excited about uh, that than than Justice League, and and now I'm excited for Justice League because of Wonder Woman. Right. Um, but Logan Lucky, Soderbergh, <laughs> basically NASCAR version of Ocean's Eleven. Hillbilly Oceans. I love it. Uh, Atomic Blonde, which, again, trailers got me. I'm a hook Lady line John Wick. Yep. Uh, Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, haven't seen him in a little bit. In uh, War. War, Tom Hardy, I'm in. Come on. Uh, Baby Driver, again, something that's original. And my, and my list, I feel like that's my, my theme. I love franchise movies. Obviously, you heard my favorite movies of all time. I, Most yeah. of them are franchises. I was actually surprised by that. There's a lot of franchise they, movies. They are a lot of franchise movies, but I also feel like right now at least as far as getting jazz for a movie, I'm a little franchised out, but I'll finish them up, we'll talk more. Uh Baby Driver, Valerian, um it may be the next um Oh, what's his name? Fifth Element? No. It could be the be- next Fifth the Element, next which would be great. 
but it also could be the next John Carter. The next, oh, God, yeah. Well, but I, you know what? I enjoyed both Phil, Fifth Element and John Carter, so I will be happy either way. They have a special way. place in our hearts. Maybe not <laughs> in the do. box office. Um, Detroit, again, great, great director. Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow's back. Yeah. She hasn't been back for a while. Um, she also, won an Oscar and then took a break. Also, I, I love these movies that, you know, take a good subject, and but don't go the easy route and pick, like, the big-name actor. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, you know, what's his name's in Star Wars now? John but, Boyega. But when they started filming that, I mean, obviously, they knew he was going to have that credibility sure. and that attract from Star Wars, but it's not like... You didn't know how, yeah. how he would come off in Star Wars because it wasn't out when they selected him right. and started filming right, that. Right, so right. excited for that. Wind River, um, another one. Hitman's Bodyguard. Got to get a comedy in there. Pretty excited <laughs> for that. Ryan Reynolds. Not a lot of comedies on any of, of no. these lists. And then Dark Tower. You know what? I, I didn't think I was going to put Dark Tower on there. And uh -huh. then I saw the, the first trailer for it, like the longer trailer yeah. for it. And I'm in. I'm in. Dark Tower is one. I'm not a Stephen King guy. I'm not. I've never been like he. Not like I'm just not like a Stephen King like reader. Like he's Neither made great movies. Yep. Some of his movies are some of my favorite movies. The Mist in particular is one of probably my favorite horror film of all time. Um, it just the the history of this project and trying to get it off the ground has me a little nervous for it. It's true. But we'll see. Um, my list, very similar to yours, but uh, unlike you, I do have a few of the big franchise starters on there. So like you said, Dunkirk. I mean, Christopher Nolan, World War II movie. Take my money. I'm in. Yeah, take my money. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Luke Besson making another weird-ass sci-fi movie like The Fifth Element. I'm in. Um, Logan Lucky, Hillbilly Oceans. I'm in. Baby Driver, Edgar Wright making a straight musical action movie with Jamie Foxx, John Hamm, Kevin Spacey. Come on. Like, this is stupid. Atomic Blonde, Lady John Wick. Charlize Theron, possibly the title holder for, for the action franchise she's right now. She's moving into it. Like, she's been crushing action movies just left and right. And then Wind River from the writer of one of our favorite movies of last year, Hell or High Water. Yep. Excellent mystery cowboy frontier just everything about it yep. i'm excited for but the franchise ones i'm a franchise guy you know this i love the big franchise popcorn movies um and i got a few of them on here like spider-man homecoming a lot of people are burnt out on spider-man right now why do we need to have another new spider-man and all that stuff but ever since Sony gave Marvel the rights to be able to actually make a good Spider-Man movie, like, not a good Spider-Man movie, because the Spider-Man movies have been pretty good, but a great Spider-Man movie with an actual teenager as Spider-Man, not somebody who's 29, um, with Michael Keaton getting back into the comic book movies again, I'm in on all of it, on all of it. The guy who directed it um, is, is super exciting to me. Um, the cast is super exciting to me. I couldn't be more excited for Spider-Man. Um, I also have War for the Planet of the Apes, which has been a real steady, serious, like, adult franchise. Absolutely. Like, we, you don't really get those franchises anymore that are more focused towards the adults. And War of the Planet of the Apes, all of the, the, these Planet of the Apes remakes, when the first one came out, everyone was like, eh, really? We're going to make another Planet of the Apes movie? 
And they have sneakily become, like, an, a great franchise. It like, has. morally deep. Surprising, too, the crazy thing about this franchise, too, is that most franchises, franchises rely on, like, that same character coming back, yeah. right? And, and obviously we have Caesar that it's all built around. The monkey is the, the, monkey, is the guy. But, like, all the humans are kind of expendable in yeah. this. Like, it's the planet of the apes. First one was Franco. James Franco. And he's gone he's now. Out. What was two? It was, uh, two was uh, Jason Clark and, and Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Out. Out. And now we've got this last one. We got evil Woody Harrelson. Evil Woody Harrelson shaving his head with a razor, a which knife. Is, which is funny that the human trying to fight for humanity is immediately labeled as the evil colonel. Well, and and Allie, Allie and I were talking, <laughs> my wife Allie, uh, and I were talking because she asked me about the movie <laughs> and whether they were good and what it was about. And I'm like, it's kind of a weird franchise because you're – we're all humans, at, right? So uh, last I checked. Last I checked. So like, you should be cheering for the humans, right? Right. But in most of these, at least in this franchise, most of these movies, you find yourself being cheering more sympathetic towards to the, the monkeys. Yeah. Which in the Marky Mark version, it was like the apes are terrible people. Right. They're like, dicks. Yeah. Exactly. Like basically, slave owners from right. that standpoint. So that's of understand. The well, that's he's a human again. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the apes were. It's, it's a great point because, like, in the first movie, it was more just like, you know, you wanted to see Caesar be okay. Yeah. And then in the second movie, you were more, it wasn't that bad guys were apes or humans. It was more like you really just wanted, like, to coexist. Yeah. And peace just seemed like an unattainable thing. Like, there were people on both sides. There was evil monkeys and evil humans that destroyed the possibility of peace. This one is straight war. Yeah. And if I got to pick between apes and humans, you best believe I'm going humans, but the movie is going to probably I make mean, me side with the apes. Woody Harrelson looking like Hitler-esque up on his podium like, with all the troops like, lined up uh, in front, shaving his head with a knife. Colonel Kurtz, Apocalypse Now style. Doesn't really look like a sympathetic figure. No. Like, I know in the preview you got, like, a picture of him looking yeah, at his, like, his kids and that kind of stuff, but... Doesn't matter. He's a human being, David. Yeah. <laughs> Humans first. Um, that leads us into the last part of our conversation for today. Um, you know, we both mentioned Wonder Woman being one of our most exciting, one of the most anticipated movies. It was on my list as well. Um, and we saw it. We saw it opening night. Um, and we really liked it. You know, surprise, shocker, spoiler. Uh, oh, by the way, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. If we're talking about movies, we're going to spoil it. So right now, if you haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, like, go see it. Because we're, I'm, I don't care about spoilers. Like, I'm just going to talk about it right now. But... Yeah, if, you, if you're not like Richard and you're a human being, uh, you want to turn off right now uh, if you haven't seen Wonder Woman. Yeah. But if you are a cyborg that... <laughs> Doesn't care about surprises being ruined. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, then, you know uh, what? I'm gonna let that roll off my back because, because we could do a whole episode just on that, and we probably <laughs> will. Okay, but for yes, for those of you who don't want to get spoiled, turn it off now. Go watch Wonder Woman. It's amazing. For those of you who don't care, we're gonna talk about it in depth, and we're gonna start with talking about the the. The DC Universe, what DC's been trying to do with their movies. Ever since The Dark Knight Rises came out, 
DC has been like, oh, what are we going to do? Right? Because The Dark Knight was a huge franchise for them, made them a shit ton of money, and then it's over. Christopher Nolan's like, I'm making three, I'm telling my story, that's it. And then they came out with Man of Steel, which had its issues, uh, primarily like everybody, like they killed everyone at the end, like they blew up a shit ton of, of buildings and stuff. But that was like, going back and watching Man of Steel, it's a really good movie. Like, it is, it's a little bit too mo- mopey Superman at times, um, but it's really good. It gets the Superman that, that you've always wanted to see, the Superman who's fighting people and throwing people through buildings. Like, that is the power that Superman would be. That is how strong he would be. That if he's fighting with someone, they're going through a building. Um, and then... Batman vs. Superman came out. And they got all of the characters wrong. And you know how big I am with characters, especially when you come in with adaptations. Now, you mentioned Batman vs. Superman as uh, left a lot to be desired. What were your thoughts on Man of Steel and Batman and Superman? Well, I think... I mean, I feel like the bar was set by Marvel and... In, in Disney eventually as well. Yeah. Um, so I think we were we were well, and even for DC's own segment, Dark Knight franchise. Right. Um, so the bar was pretty high when it comes to superhero movies, and you know DC's telling us you know we're gonna have this, we're gonna compete with the Marvel franchises, and we're gonna build this whole DC universe, and so you and I were. You know, people like us, we're we're jazzed about it. I'm jazzed that I'm in. I get another whole series of movies like I'm getting in Marvel right. with characters I know and also don't know real well. Um, like you're not an Aquaman fan. I know. No, I, I knew like three of the members of Suicide Squad, which right. would be another discussion. But um, so I was pumped. And Man of Steel. Listen, I'm not a big Superman type of person or even Superman movie type of person. Um, it's like playing a video game on cheat codes. Uh, but it was a genuinely, I enjoyed the movie. I felt like, you know, we talked about character development, all that kind of stuff. It checked a lot of boxes for me. I, you know, when I see a Superman movie, I expect everybody to die or there to be massive explosions because you're dealing with a giant alien that can pick up a giant building and throw it. So. Right. Um, I expect most likely a lot of people to die unless you're trying to pass it off as a cartoon universe where somehow everybody wasn't in those buildings or that kind of survived. Or you just don't talk about it. But um, Batman versus Superman, the concept, I was all in on. Right. Like we've never we've never seen that. We've never seen two what I would call good superheroes or heroes fight. So, and I didn't know the story real well. I'm not a big comic book person as far as reading those. Um, so for me, I was pumped. Um, I was a little hesitant. I'm not, I wasn't as sold on Affleck as Batman, but. As I was. I was willing, given his recent history, I, he had credibility with me. Old, so grizzled, Boston veteran Batman. Yeah, you know, I, I was willing to give him a chance. So. Then I saw it, and it was like they tried to put, like, all that backstory that that Marvel put into doing the origin stories of all their Avengers. Right. It was like Batman tried to jump there, jump to Avengers 
with only doing Iron Man 1. Right. Like... They didn't show their work. No. They and didn't earn it. I mean, you had Wonder Woman in there. Right. You even had references. I know he wasn't in there, but you had references to some of the other heroes like Aquaman and Flash and, Flash and Cyborg. Cyborg and all sorts of things. So you had all those little nuggets, which were great, but like you hadn't even, and I know we don't need an origin story of Batman. Right. Because it's been told so many times before. Right. But it tried to put force that origin story in like a fast forward mode. Right. Like to me, either do your Batman movie first. Right. Or don't try to shove like assume that we know the Batman backstory. Like right. you don't need to keep rehashing to the fact that his parents were killed. We know. And those types of things. We know that. So <laughs> for me, Batman versus Superman was just such a big missed big missed opportunity. Such a great story that not a lot of people know. And such a cool concept of having two heroes fight right. um, over their disagreements. I mean, really what Batman Superman should have been is what we got in uh, the last uh, Captain America movie. Civil War. In Civil yeah. War. Like, well, that's what Batman versus Superman should have been. They rush. They rush, they rush, they rush. Imagine if they would have made, and this isn't going to, we'll talk about Wonder Woman, but imagine if they made Man of Steel, all right? And then they made... Batman, the Batman, and it had and his villains. The villains were Joker and Deadshot. Yeah. Oh, and Harley Quinn, and they were all in that Batman. And yeah. Batman fucks him up, throws him in jail, whatever, right? And then they make Wonder Woman, okay, which is a great course correction, and we'll talk about that in a second. And then they make Batman versus Superman, and then they make Suicide Squad because we know who these. These characters yeah, are. Yeah, he fought them, and we know they're in jail now. We know how they got in jail there instead of five minutes on how they got there. Exactly. And and that would have been so much more fulfilling, but DC wasn't willing to do their work. Now, I will say this about Suicide Squad. It's the opposite of Batman vs. Superman. Batman vs. Superman was trying to tell three different stories and do all their work and get all the characters wrong. Like, they literally are trying to tell the Batman vs. Superman story. They're trying to tell, does the world need a Superman? They're trying to tell the death of Superman. They're trying to tell Wonder Woman and the Justice League and all this stuff. Like, just make a movie each. Suicide Squad got the characters very right. Mm -hmm. Which, the characters and the casting, that's the one thing DC's done really, really well, is they cast the shit out of their movies. Like, they are really wonderfully cast. But that story, that movie, is a chopped up mess. The first 30 minutes are literally just two different versions of how they got into jail and why we need to get them out. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, we're on a chopper and we got to fly into the city because there's an evil thing. Like, like that, like so fast. And it, it needed a course correction. Everyone kept saying it needed a course correction. And I think Wonder Woman is that course correction. You mm -hmm. said it best. When you said you're excited for Justice League again. Yeah. Because if if nothing else, Wonder Woman has got me jacked for Justice League again. Well, and, and let's think about too, and I know I know he came in for post-production. Right. But you got Joss Whedon who coming in, punching it up. Who what what is he most known or oh. one of the things that he's most known for is Doing the Avengers. The Avengers, bringing so, together a large cast of characters. Yeah, and then you have the benefit, too, that not only is he coming in for the post-production of that, he's also doing Batgirl. Right. 
So, so you, they're bringing in the right people. Yeah, they're bringing in the right people. And hopefully now they'll leverage, um, and I'm blanking on her name, um, the director from Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins. Hopefully they can keep her around. Yeah. Um, because she obviously one. did an awesome job. Give her Justice League too. But here's the other thing about, and, and I know we'll, we'll, we're getting more into Wonder Woman. The thing that I, the other issue that I had with Batman vs. Superman is it was so dark. It was dark as shit. And that's where Batman's I think... Batman's branding, motherfuckers. Superman's moping about, oh, what do I, should I be Superman? His mother's like, you don't owe him shit. Like, yeah. that movie went in a total opposite direction. I, I don't even remember something worth laughing for in that movie. Like, I don't remember any laughter in that movie. What? Like, what? Uh, is she with you? I thought she was with you. Okay, like, there that's you go. That's it. <laughs> Like so, so you have one joke in the entire movie, and Batman, and when Ben Affleck was drunk as Bruce oh, Wayne. That's, that's, that's one of my favorite parts because that is, I thought that is a really the funny whole part. point of Bruce Wayne is that you're supposed to not think he's Batman. So he spends Batman being this gruff asshole, and then this drunk Bruce Wayne, he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was supposed to be in there." Hey, I like those shoes. <laughs> like that, that was amazing. That's literally, literally my favorite part of that movie, that's which true. is a problem. I forgot about that part. Yeah, but and that's where, you know, leading into Wonder Woman, that's what I feel like they got so right in that, you know, one of the most endearing parts and one of the things that I feel like got people hooked because, like, you had um, Hulk come out before, you know, some of the, the bigger movies for those, but what really got people hooked on the Marvel Universe was Iron Man and the it wasn't just a big spectacle and fighting and that right. kind of stuff. There was comedy to it and character development in it, and that's where I feel like Wonder Woman gets it right on the head. Between Chris Pine's character, um, between Wonder Woman herself, and just the comic relief that you have in there, yeah. like it's the perfect balance for me to want to see a bunch more of these movies. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, Gal, Gal Gadot who I just recently discovered, that is how you pronounce her name, Gal Gadot. Um, it's according to her, looked it up. Um, it is amazing to me. And again, granted, most superstars and most superheroes have been plucked from obscurity. Chris mm -hmm. Hemsworth was blew out. He, he had his big debut in the first Star Trek, the first like eight minutes of Star Trek, mm -hmm. and everyone knew that guy's going to be he's something. He's going to be big. Chris Evans, he's uh, Captain America. He's been around for a long time. He was Johnny Storm in the first two Fantastic Four movies. He was in The Losers, but no one ever saw him as Captain America. No, you know, uh, and with Gal Gadot, like be, she was like the sixth lead in the fourth Fast and Furious movie, <laughs> and like, and then they decided to bring her back for five, and then she just blew up, like, yeah, and and I'm really happy for her because in this movie. She is genuinely the perfect Wonder Woman. She is so, she has such an otherworldly beauty about, like, she is one, she is. She looks like an Amazon. Gorgeous. What you would picture an Amazon. And I don't mean like, eh, hey, she's hot yet. I mean, she is, like, breathtakingly, like, how is a human being that perfect? She's not right? a human being. She's an Amazon. No, she's an Amazon. <laughs> um, But... In her eyes and in her character and her performance, she just has that little bit of mischief and she has that, that compassion that is so human and is so beautiful. 
And that is, it, it just allows her to be this otherworldly level of beautiful, but be this amazing character. Like, she she wants to go kick Ares' ass. Like, that's my mission. Take me to the front. Let me go kill this guy. Like, she's ready to fucking fight. But on her path there, she stops to coo at a baby. Uh, she tries to help people who are being killed in, in, in battle, like the civilians and things like that. And that is something that you just didn't get in the previous DCU movies mm -hmm. um, at all. And like you said, Chris Pine, they both get to play at, in the same movie. Gal Gadot gets to play the, um, this is what the situation is about. And Chris Pine gets to play the fish out of water. Like, this is super weird. Yeah. Like, oh, you were built from clay. That's neat. Like, and then they flip it. And that's really genius because it gives them both an opportunity to show them as a fish out of water and show them in their element. Like Chris mm -hmm. Pine being in his element as a spy and realizing that Wonder Woman, um, Diana, is is somebody who is so special. Not just because she's gorgeous, but because she is determined and good and can kick ass. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and you see their relationship bloom in just a short amount of time. And you buy it. You buy that it's so special. And you buy that even though they've known each other for like a month. You buy that that's something that would stick with them till the end. And that, and that goes to, I mean, again, DCU, the one thing that they've done consistently is cast the hell out of their movies. And everyone in this movie is great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I even down to, like, um, the henchman, the bad guy, you yeah. know, like, everybody in it, like, I wouldn't replace, like, none of them I'm, like, everybody was convincing as who they were. Yeah. You know, her mom, you know, every, everything in there was, everyone was, was great. perfect. And... And that's where it's like, that's where, again, that's why I say Batman versus Superman just left something to be desired because the people were in it. Suicide, the people were in it. Right. Just they didn't give it the time. It's like, like I said, it was like they tried to nuke. It's like they tried to just throw it in the microwave and get to like a perfectly cooked right. meal. Um, it's like cooking a steak on the on the grill versus cooking a steak in a microwave. Yeah, exactly, and and it's you gotta get a shit steak. Yeah, and and I'm I'm glad that it only took movie four to do this, because if <laughs> <laughs> I hope, man, I hope, I hope they sat Zack Snyder down and made him watch this movie, and we're just like more like this. But I think the previews. That have come out recently, like yeah. not the super early one where no. they weren't even close to being done filming right. that they released. They showed they're a little more playful. They showed like Aquaman looks. We've talked about this. Aquaman looks amazing. Yeah, he's just like it. a bro. He's just like yeah, just like a bad. He looks not it. only like he's gonna be a badass, but he also looks like he's gonna provide some comic relief. We can only hope that these and, characters are well-rounded characters. And I mean, I don't know that you can even have a serious Flash character. Like, no, you'd, he's got to be a smart you'd, you'd severely screw up Flash if you made him someone that was super serious. Yeah. So you know you're going to get some comic relief there. We've already established what Wonder Woman's uh -huh. like. So, you know, all you're really returning is is 
grumpy Batman, but even he had his moments. And, and in the previews, it, it looks like he might be, you know, a little bit more... The death uh, of Superman has brought him back to the light. Yeah, he doesn't look allegedly. like he's going to be straight killing people on the streets anymore. Just so. shooting them. <laughs> Just straight shooting them. Machine gun and everything. Blowing them up. Well, the other thing is that this movie, Wonder Woman took its time with the story. It took its time in uh, Thermoskira, uh, Wonder Woman's home island, I guess. It took its time in there showing us the beauty and teaching us the mythology. And, and because that's the one thing that separates Marvel versus DC is that Marvel is a bunch of flawed human beings mm-hmm. with superpowers or technology or abilities. DC Universe, those heroes are gods. Yeah. They exhibit those powers of gods. Other than Batman. Well, that's what makes Batman the best, but we'll get into Which that. Which is his day. line from right. the trailer. I'm rich. I'm ri- what's your superpower? I'm, I'm rich. I'm rich. Like, <laughs> like, they are a godlike level of, of power, and to devote that time to showing the mythology of Wonder Woman, how she grew up, how she was raised, how her mother showed her the compassion and her aunt showed her the ferocity. Um, and then going all the way through, like, the whole Ares and hunting down Ares and questioning, like, is it really Ares or is or is man just, is humanity just terrible? Well, even the twist of, you know, they tried to sell the one guy. The Luden, Ludendorff, yeah, the German as, general. As, as being uh, Danny Houston. Ares yeah. the whole time. They did a pretty good job of that. Yeah, I, I thought so. I mean, obviously... Once you got to that scene where Wonder Woman kills him, right. you knew, like, like well, well, that was obviously too easy. Right. Um, but, I mean, that whole buildup was convincing enough, and, uh-huh. and it had enough twists in that. You know, it didn't get too crazy. I feel like sometimes movies, like, can get too crazy with twists. Right. Um, this one had one good one. One good one, and really focused on... two. Yeah, I guess two. But they focused on... Wonder Woman. Like, the movie was about Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. And her finding her place in the world. And that's the thing, is, like, now we all love Wonder Woman as a character. Mm-hmm. You can add her into any of the other characters' mm-hmm. movies, and we'll be excited about seeing her. Absolutely. Whereas I feel like, you know, if you don't do that, like they did with some of the other ones, like with all the guys in Suicide Squad, like, why did I care about any of them? You right. gave me five-minute spiel on how they got into prison, and then you gave me a five-minute more one about why I should care about them. Or even if you and do that it was wrong. It. Even if you give somebody like Superman two movies, and that's two movies worth of mopey-ass Superman. Like, Superman says 26 lines in the sequel to his own fucking movie. <laughs> and most of them are depressing, like, uh, should I be a hero? Like, Wonder Woman got everything right. It got the yep. character right. It got the setting right. It got her right. It was fun. It was funny. It was r- ridiculously sweet. Like, the scene, one of my favorite scenes was the scene in the in the Belgian village when they're celebrating yeah. and it starts snowing and they're just dancing. And that's like a movie, that's like straight out of the 40s. Yeah. You know? And, and, and that, and, and it didn't get weird, like... Like, I liked how the movie handled, like, them hooking up, for lack of a better word, um, really, just really sweetly and really beautifully, and it showed their their bond, it showed their bond. Yeah. Um, and then when Steve Trevor, when Chris Pine makes the decision at the end, 
when he tells her, like, you can, I can save us now, but you can save the world. Like, he recognizes the sacrifice that he has to make. And then they did the whole, when he's trying to talk to her, and she can't hear because she got her eardrums blown out. And, yeah. like, that moment was heart-wrenching because you know what he's trying to do. And he's telling her, like, the mo- this is the most important thing I'm ever going to tell you. I need you to listen to me. And she can't hear. And then he runs away. It was heartbreaking. Well, the cool thing with that that I really liked that they did in that was that you couldn't hear either. Right. In that scene. Right. You couldn't. You could faintly hear like and you're, his voice. And I don't know about you, but I'm like I'm like to trying listen. to hear what he's saying, and you can't hear it. And then obviously later they, she he's flashes like, back to it, and uh-huh. and actually is able, and, and you actually able to hear what he said. And the the declaration of love, and that's the whole reason. Ah, it's fucking. It was beautiful. Man. It was. I rolled a tear. I'm not. Any movie that can get an emotional reaction out of me, um, obviously is gonna get major props. Like if you can make me emotionally or physically react to your film, like with action movies like The Raid or John Wick, like those movies ain't gonna make me cry, but they're gonna make me go. Ho-ho-ho-ho! I don't know. When they kill his dog, it's pretty sad. It's John true. Wick. It's true. It's very sad. But like when John Wick stabbed that guy with a pencil. <laughs> I literally almost cheered, and that's that's you've done your job. Um, I would say the only I mean it's not a perfect movie. It is great. Um, it's got there's some little nitpicks here and there. Like I I thought like for as good as um, the Wonder Woman theme is that guitar, mm-hmm. and as pretty good that they did bringing it back every now and then. I thought the score was really, it's not hummable, it's not very memorable. It's nice to listen to in the background, like I've had it on play for a while, and it's a really kind of quietly epic score, but I miss themes. Well, and that's, and my thought with that, like as I was thinking about it after the movie, is other than the Wonder Woman theme, again, I don't remember the music at all in right. that movie. Like, I'm sure there was music in the background of a lot right. of... It, but like, you know, we were just talking about pirates that we saw. Like, I can clearly hear all the pirates, (laughs) and not and not just the main one. Like, the music is noticeable throughout that movie. And and maybe, you know, maybe they decided because they invested so much into like, since this was an origin story, and they invested so much into the character development Uh and those things, there wasn't as many scenes where it's like. You know, pirates, you have the benefit of, like, all these scenes of a ship going out on the ocean or right. the, these big panned-out views of the and house getting like, dragged through the square. You know, maybe there wasn't as many parts in Wonder Woman that warranted, right? like, noticeable, you know, music behind it. Sure. Um, and, 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 you know, now as I think about it, you think there's a little bit change in the music when they're in... London and things like that they, that well, kind they, of drives it. And they but. did paint themselves into a corner too because we're talking about that Wonder Woman theme and for those of you who don't know it it's um, not something it's, that flows really well with other music. It's just it's a you know and like the most iconic scene out of the whole movie is the No Man's Land scene like that's a powerful scene that's a that is a powerful um, emotionally resonant scene of heroism of superheroism that song would not work in that scene at no. all. And no. so you have to go with something that's a little more measured. So, you know, but like you said, like there, I feel like they could have bumped it up a little bit. 
with yeah. the new music. And I, and I think one thing as I thought about that movie too is my memorable things, like most superhero movies, like your memorable thing is the big climax right. fight scene and all the explosions and special there effects were, that happened. There were a lot. Which there was. But like my memorable scenes are like the dialogue in a lot of the sections. Right. Like, you know, when he's sitting in the the fountain, um, when he first goes to the island, is almost oh, yeah. kind of like almost drunk on, yeah. you know, the water that's in there and that kind of thing. Um, and some of the dialogue there and, and that whole interaction. And then, um, you know, the scenes in London mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff as she's kind of the fish out of the water. And then, like you said, the no man's land scene and then the Belgium city. Like, the ending is great. Yeah, it's good. Like, it's a good fight. There's some really cool effects and it's that a kind little, of stuff. It's a little typical of DC. It's basically her fighting a big dude with a bunch of fire around him. But for me, the more memorable part of it is is what you said. Like, that part with her and Chris Pine. Like, that's what I remember from it. Like, mm-hmm. if I think back, I can remember all the cool fights and kicks and things like that. But even then, like, I don't... That's not what sticks out to me about no. this movie. Uh, which I think even if I look at the Marvel Universe, like, normally it's like, you know, in in Civil War, it's the airport scene. Like, right. Obviously or the, the first or the Captain en- America. Or the end scene where, you know, it's, you know, where it is Iron Man versus uh, Captain America. Right. They're fighting. Like, those are what's memorable. It's not all the dialogue and conversations. Right. First Iron Man, though, is the opposite. Like. You've got the flying around and that that's cool, but uh-huh. what made me enjoy that movie so much was like Robert Downey Jr. Like, right. Exactly. All the lines and things that he made and funny one liners and all that kind of stuff. The characters. Characters. The characters. Captain America, the first Captain America wasn't memorable because you remember the final fight on the plane with Red Skull. Like yeah. it's memorable because of the characters, yeah. because of the beats that they go through. And the first DC movies didn't do that. So I would think, talking about the DC, we've talked about the future of it already, but as much as I think that they're still, they're still nuking the steak, they're still microwaving the steak, which I think is a really good analogy for it, this at least shows me that they are capable and aware of how to make a good film and how to yeah. make a, a great DC superhero movie. Um and so, like I said, I hope that they sat Zack Snyder down and was like, you see this? More of this. Um, because I want them to, I want great Batman movies. I'm, I'm in on, a, on the next Batman movie. If they do a solo Batman movie, I'm there. Um, I, the next Superman movie, I'm there. Flash, Aquaman, uh, Wonder Woman, even fucking Cyborg was the stupidest name. Suzanne. That's the most annoying name, Cyborg. Like, that'd be like if they called the Flash Fast Guy. <laughs> like, that's, come on, man, but whatever. Shazam with The Rock. We got The Rock in the wings, waiting. It's if he's not running for president. If he's not running for president, or if he's not secretly in Justice League, which could be in play. He keeps teasing go. people with it. But I'm back on board with, with the DC Universe. I was back on board when the first Wonder Woman trailer came out, just like you said. The only, and, and like I said, I'm everything that you said, I agree. And I told you this a couple days ago. The only thing that I could see that just completely taking all of the air out of this franchise is if your boy gets selfish and decides he's done with if DC. If my boy Ben Affleck? If your boy Ben Affleck says, I'm tired of being Batman, and uh, they have to deal with the idea of 
we just lost Batman, right. and we just came out with Justice I'm League. I'm sorry, I'll give it to someone else. <laughs> give it to some other 42-year-old actor. Now, they gave, they gave Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck got, when Batman vs. Superman came out and everybody shit on it, Ben Affleck said, I swear to God, I would have never, I would have never let me do this happen to me again. And he got super pissed. And so you know what they did? They backed up the truck full of money to his house. <laughs> they dumped it. They gave him executive producer credit on Justice League. They gave him a ton of control over his Batman movie. Like, you got to stay. Ben, please stay. Here's a bajillion dollars. I will, though, say, too, like... And granted, I don't know Ben Affleck, even though I've seen lots of his movies. Right. But you feel like you start to notice, like, things they do and things they don't do. Yeah. Like, I just can't see Ben Affleck being like, I want to be a Batman that just is straight up murdering folks. Like, I, I don't feel like that was his take on Batman as right. much. Um, I think that's Snyder. Where, yeah, I feel like it was Snyder. I mean, it was like straight up Watchmen. Um, <laughs> it was. It does. They turned Batman into the comedian, just yeah. hot-shotting people. Yeah. And then they sold it off as like, oh, well, Batman didn't really kill those guys because he only just blew up their car, but they were in the car. <laughs> or like the grenade, like when he's like, oh, the guy pulled the pin on the grenade, but he just kicked the guy with the grenade. Like, you got to take some That's fucking like, responsibility, Batman. Like, seems like parents explaining away uh, right. things for their kids. Well, because then it's like, then we're going to make a movie with all these Batman villains. Well, why hasn't he killed them yet? Yeah, like, he's straight murdering common criminals. Yeah, but the Joker's still around. People, people that can actually kill many. They still have some work to do with their big major characters. But what I'm getting at is I feel like from what I've seen in the trailers, and again, you can make a trailer look however you want it. Sure. Here. From what I've seen in the trailers, because like to me, the Affleck version of Batman would be more like your favorite scene from Batman vs. Superman where... He has that other side of him where he's, yeah, you know, funny. You know, like I don't see Affleck playing charming playboy Bruce Wayne. Exactly, which, you know, even Christian Bale can can had pull that moments. off. You know, yeah. had those moments, um, and so because there looks to be some comedy in that in in Justice League, I'm hopeful that maybe like with Justice League and. Giving him the executive producer right. <laughs> credit in that, um, maybe maybe he's gonna have a little bit more say in his Batman, which gives me a whole lot more hope for Batman, too. So I have hope. I have hope. They're bringing on some good directors. They're bringing on some good people. Um, I do. If if Wonder Woman would have sucked, I would have been in a whole. Oh, they would have all been. They would have just been like, we're fucked. Yeah. Like if Wonder <laughs> Woman would have sucked, Justice League would have made one hundred fifty million dollars, and they would have just had to start all over again. Like, which is what they just should do. Like, if literally, if Justice League sucked, stop making movies, recast everyone, start with origin stories for everyone, and just just eat the bullet. Well, the good news is, is it seems like, if I remember reading right, after Justice League, we get a bunch of origins. We stories. do. We're going to get a Flash. We're going to get an Aquaman. We're going to get a, a single Batman. We're going to get a, another Wonder Woman. There will be a second Justice League. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get all. But these it'll be after movies. we get those other ones. But they won't so. be origins, but they'll be individuals. Yeah. So, all right. I think that about does it for uh, this one. Um, thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to this. Please, wherever you've listened to this on, take the opportunity, take the chance to like it, rate it, subscribe to us. That helps podcasts in general. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us at on Twitter at. Popcorn Diet Pod or on Instagram at Popcorn Diet Podcast. There's not a lot there yet, um, but there's going to be. Uh, but uh, other than that, David, 
I'm going to see you at the movies next time. See you at the movies. All right, we're out of here. Peace.